Have you ever heard that saying, good men die young? It doesn't literally mean that good men actually die young. It refers to what we commonly call burnout. And we've probably all experienced it to one degree or another with some task or another that we just get tired of it. We don't want to do it anymore. And we burn out. You know, the signs of burnout, they're easy to recognize in somebody else. You see somebody who just becomes irritable. There's this loss of a sense of humor. They're always frustrated. They're critiquing everything always critical. They begin to question if what they do makes any impact, makes any difference whatsoever. And the list goes on and on. You know, as we're continuing our study through the book of Exodus, we've seen this leader Moses just emerge. I mean, God takes this guy who's out wandering as a fugitive in Midian tending sheep when he's 80 years old and turns him into this faithful leader. I mean, Moses, we have this image of a strong man who's faithful when everybody else is faithless. We look at a guy like that and think, there's no way that guy would ever burn out. I mean, he's strong. He's faithful, he's committed, he's determined. But yet, this morning we'll see that even Moses, this strong, faithful leader, was on the verge of a burnout. I want you to see it. Exodus chapter 18, we're going to begin with the first 16 verses. It reads, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he'd sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a dispute. They come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make them known the statutes of God and his laws. You know, this really is a beautiful scene, isn't it? Moses, he gets to reunite with his family. And it's interesting that the encounter that really gets the spotlight here is not the encounter that he has with his wife or that he has with his boys. 
but it's the encounter that he has with his father-in-law. And we're even invited into just how that reception takes place. I mean, you get the idea that these two guys just embrace. Moses bows down. He kisses his father-in-law. And Jethro, the father-in-law, he's excited to hear about Moses. I mean, you, you can imagine what they're saying. Hey, tell me, how's it going? I heard about this. What's coming up next? How's the leading going? How are the people doing? Where are you headed to next? How, how's everything going, Moses? You know, Moses... He feels the freedom just to share with his father-in-law everything that's happening. It's important to remember that Moses had spent 40 years with Jethro and Midian. I mean, you have this picture that they are this close-knit family where Moses, he knows that his father-in-law is looking out for him and wants the best for him. You know, we kind of get that idea just in the name of Moses' sons. Moses, he named his first son Gershom, which means I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. I mean, it, you can almost feel the emptiness of that name, that when Moses named his firstborn son, you would think that this would be this happy, joyous occasion. But you get this little glimpse into Moses' heart, and you get the idea that Moses, he feels like he's wasting his life out there in Midian. But then, several years later, actually a while later, before Moses' second son would be born, but when he's born, Moses names him Eliezer. It means the God of my father is my help. You get the idea that this father that he's talking about is Jethro, his father-in-law, that Jethro, he's this priest of Midian who's offered this godly counsel to Moses. And it's changed Moses' outlook. It's changed his look on life. And so there's this joy with the name of his second son that he didn't have with his first son. And so there is this type of relationship that's been built. And so when Jethro shows up, Jethro says, okay, tell me about it, Moses. How's, how's everything going? What's going on here? And Moses starts in, he says, well, here's how we got away from Pharaoh. Here's how we escaped Egypt. Here's what happened at the Red Sea. I mean, you can imagine that Moses has given Jethro all the details. And Jethro, he doesn't say, come on, Moses. I mean, that sounds a little hard to believe. You know, just the Red Sea opening and then closing on the Egyptians. I mean, come on, the cloud over and the, the pillar of fire. Come on, Moses. Did it really happen like that? No, no, Jethro, he's not second guessing. He's not doubting. He's not critiquing. He's just saying, wow, that's awesome. That's so neat. That's so cool. You know what? I've got to go and I need to thank God myself for the way that he's looked after you and the way that he's used you to lead the people. I got to go make some offerings myself to God. You know, that's the kind of family member we all need, isn't it? Jethro is this beautiful picture of a father-in-law, of what a grandparent should look like, an in-law should look like, a parent should look like, really any family member should look like. We want family members who will celebrate the family. See, that's the key for all of us is to celebrate your family. Celebrate your family. You know, when your family looks at you, do they know that they're seeing someone who's rooting for them? There, there's somebody there who, man, they're praying for them. They want God's best for them, that they've got your back. They're going to be your biggest cheerleader. Do they see that in you? Do they know that you're just rooting for them and you always are in their corner? 
And that also that when the time comes and those moments do come when you need to offer some critique and you need to say, hey, in order to get to a better place, you got to think about doing things this way. Or do they just look at you and think, oh man, they're just being critical again. Do they know it's always coming from this place where you're wanting God's best for them? See, that's what happens when you really celebrate your family. So after Jethro goes and he worships and he rejoices, Jethro gets up early the next morning and he comes back and he sees Moses there. And Moses, he's just watching what Moses is doing. And Moses, from morning until night, is working hard. See, Jethro, he's going to notice some things, and he's going to notice some things that really need to be fixed. He's going to have some concerns about the way that Moses is leading. And the first thing is that Moses is working himself ragged. I mean, from morning till night, the people are standing around, maybe outside Moses' tent, maybe waiting to get in to see him, because Moses is the, is the guy who's settling disputes. And you can imagine there are 2.5 million Israelites and Moses is the only judge. I mean, 2.5 million people, that's roughly the size of the Hampton Roads area. And just imagine if the whole Hampton Roads area only had one judge. I mean, his docket is going to be full all the time. I mean, it's beyond full. And that's just the one thing that Moses is doing. He's settling all the disputes. He's the only one. Jethro sees this and he knows this isn't good. Jethro also sees that the people are being neglected. You know, that's an interesting observation, isn't it? That it's the people who are being neglected. And so Jethro, he, he speaks up and he tells Moses that, hey, I'm seeing some issues that are taking place here. You know, it's, it's one thing to be able to notice some issues that's going on. It's even another thing to be able to speak up and to have the confidence to say, hey, these are the issues that are taking place. And it's even another to be able to have the credibility that you will have the confidence to speak up and then also the credibility to know that if I speak up, this person's going to listen to me. That they know I'm rooting for them, I have their best interest at heart, and that I'm only offering this critique because I want them to lead in an even better way. I want them to grow in the way that they're, that they're leading and in the way that they're acting. Moses, he's going to have that kind of confidence in Jethro so that when Jethro speaks up, Moses is going to be able to listen. And it is an interesting observation that Moses is neglecting the people. That Moses himself isn't just wearing out. You know, he says that too. Jethro says, you're wearing yourself out. You're burning yourself out. But you're also wearing out the people. And you can imagine, right? If you're one of the Israelites and there's some dispute there and that you've got to go and see Moses. But there's a whole bunch of other people who have disputes too. And you're just lined up outside of his tent waiting your turn. And it's taken all day. You're out left in the hot sun. Moses is in his tent. We already know that these are grumbling people. You can imagine the conversations that were going on outside that tent. You can imagine what they would have been say, saying about Moses. Oh, Moses, he's so out of touch. Moses is so busy. He doesn't really have time for us. We've got to wait all day. I mean, what a waste of a day just before we can even have Moses hear us. And Moses this is the only one who's allowed to hear and settle these things. You can imagine the grumbling that would have begun to take place. You could imagine how these people themselves are wearing out, not just Moses. Moses isn't just burning himself out. He's burning all of them out too. 
But you know what? This is a temptation for leaders to try to do everything ourselves. To think that, you know what? I'm really the only one who can do this job, that no one else can do this job as well as I can. You know, sometimes that may be true. Sometimes maybe you are the only one in that moment who can do the job. Maybe if you were to entrust that responsibility to anybody else, they wouldn't do it as well as you. But understand this, as a leader, and we're all called to be leading somebody, that our responsibility and our privilege is to train up and empower others to do the very thing that we're doing. That is, to make disciples who they themselves are able to make disciples. We're all called to be a part of that process. We're all called to lead in this way. And sometimes that's a harder thing. Sometimes it's a whole lot easier just to do the job yourself rather than to take the time and to invest and empower someone so that they can do the very thing that you're doing. So Jethro sees this, and it's time for Jethro to offer some critique. It's time for him to give Moses some godly counsel. I want you to hear it. It's Exodus 18, verses 19 through 27, and it reads, Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws. And make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide for themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all the people will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case, they brought to Moses. But any small matter, they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. You know, I really like Jethro. You get the idea that he just goes right up to Moses, his son-in-law, and says, Hey, son, you need to listen. That he has the courage and the confidence to just approach Moses and, and to set him straight, really, on a couple things. That he does it in love, but he's letting Moses know you need to change some of, some of the ways that you're doing things. And you know, we all need people in our lives like that, don't we? People who just, we know for a fact that they have our best at heart and so that when they offer critique, well, we can listen. People who are willing to speak the hard truth to us, not just smile and tell us how great we are and always pat us on the back, but people who, who yeah, they'll smile, they're rooting for us, but they'll also let us know when we've drifted off track a little bit and, and the adjustment, the adjustments that we need to make. We need people like Jethro. And so Jethro, he goes to Moses and he says, Moses, you got to listen here. There's some things that you need to change. First, you got to recognize that you represent the people to God. That is all the hurts, all the baggage, all the struggles that these people are dealing with. Well, it's your responsibility to take those to God. See, as leaders, as people who are influencing others, we must pray for people. We must pray for people. You know, it sounds almost empty in today's culture. I mean, we live in a culture who says, come on, we need more than just your thoughts and your prayers. We need action. And it's true that oftentimes we do need some action. 
But it is also true that we definitely need prayer, that all people need prayer. And as leaders, our responsibility is to be praying for people. You remember in Acts chapter 6, that you have this emerging church taking off and really the leaders of the church are becoming overwhelmed by all the needs that are happening and all the work that must be done. And so what do they do? They appoint other people in the church to meet those needs, to lead in those areas so that the leaders of the church can devote themselves to prayer and to preaching. I mean, that's really what you want the leaders of your church doing. You want the leaders of your church Praying and then teaching the word effectively and faithfully. Once we get beyond that, once we try to do all these other things and run every last thing, that's when we get in trouble. That's when we can face burnout. And so, even as we're kind of getting ready to launch Central Cares here and our missions month, we're so excited about what's coming up in March. I mean, one of our key objectives is to find faithful people who can lead these initiatives with us. So, so that it's not just on the pastors. And you're, I mean, we want to have a church that when you think about, okay, how are we going to impact, how are we going to impact the firefighters in our community? Well, let me look to him. How are we going to impact school teachers in our community? Let me look to her. How, how are we going to impact this group of people? Let's look over here. That it's not always, well, let me go check with a pastor and see if we can work it out. No, we want to have a church that we raise up leaders in the church to go and do and execute ministry, because that's really what our job is as pastor, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's what Paul would say. And so we do that by praying and preaching. And you know, it really is our privilege and our responsibility to be able to pray for you. And we take that responsibility very, very seriously. So each week we do, we gather together and we pray for the needs of our people. And I want to encourage you, you know, if there's anything going on in your life right now, we really are supposed to be praying for you and we want to pray for those needs. And you can fill out an electronic card and just let us know, hey, here's how you can be praying for me. And we'd be honored and privileged to be able to bring those needs before God. But you know what? We're all, we all should be praying for somebody because we're all leading somebody. You know, Moses, he was of this Levite family. Well, you know what? In the New Testament, God says that we are all a royal priesthood. This mantle of Levite priesthood has now been placed upon all of us, that we're all leaders. And as leaders, we're leading somebody. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's at your job. Maybe it's some friend. You're, you're influencing somebody, or at least you ought to be. And those people you're influencing, you better be praying for them. You know, do they look at you and do they know? I know he's praying for me. I know she's praying for me. That's just the kind of person they are, that they are going to bring these needs before God for me. See, we, they should know that about us. So we pray for people. And Jethro, his counsel to Moses, it goes beyond that, though. Jethro would also say, hey, Moses, you've got to teach people. You've got to teach people the statutes and the laws. You got to warn them in the statutes and the laws. Now, the statutes, they also mean ordinances. And, and this is what you cut or you engrave, okay? And so you get this idea that these are the unchangeable truths of Scripture. These things that never change, that always remain the same, the key 
doctrines and key tenets of the faith, that you must teach these to the people. Why? Because in teaching these to the people, you are empowering others. And that's the key for leadership is that we empower others. We teach them these truths that never change, that always remain the same, that they can count on. Then this is important for the Israelites because these people, I mean, Moses, he's working with a group of just ex-slaves who've always been told what to do and they're just bound together by this pursuit of the promised land. And what they really need to know is this is what you can count on. This is how you must think as you are entering the promised land. And this is how you must think as you begin to set up a community, a culture, a nation in the promised land. This is how you are to think. So we teach the statutes, but we also teach the laws. Now from that word law, we we get the Hebrew word Torah, which means to lean or to guide. See, the statutes, th- this is what we know. These are, the, these are the truths that you just must know. The laws are the applications of those truths. So for example, you have the statute that we understand that all people are created in the image of God. Therefore, all people have value. And we know this. We know this statute, this ordinance to be true. And then the law is given. The application is then given So based on this knowledge, you don't murder people. Why do we not murder people? Because they're made in the image of God. The application, the law flows out of the statute, the truth. And so the statutes, they tell us what to believe. The laws tell us how to behave. And those are important distinctions. And the Israelites must know both. We today, we must know both. And we have to teach people both. Because right thinking produces right living. So we tell people, this is what we think. And this is how it works out. This is how it fleshes itself out. And when you tell people both what to think and you show them, you guide them, you teach them, then how to to live based on that truth, how that, how that truth gets expressed in just life, in day-to-day, moment-by-moment living, then you are empowering them to live this rich, full life, this abundant life that God has for them right now. And so you might be saying, wow, that sounds really good, but you know, I don't know that I really know how to teach people that. I don't, I don't know that I have these words that I can put it all together and say, this is what you think, and this is how you live based on that. You know what? You can. And here's how you do it. You just take maybe the message that you're hearing and you go to somebody. It's not that you re-preach it. You just say, hey, here's what I learned today. What do you think? And you begin just by, hey, I'm I'm just going to say it again. I'm just going to tell it again. I'm going to pour it in to somebody else. You, you join in an impact group, and we've even got online impact groups available for you. And you join in, and you have this discussion, and then you take that discussion, and you have it with someone else. You begin taking what you know, and you pour it in to someone else. You must empower others. You know, if you can teach people what to believe and then how to respond to those beliefs, man, you're going to be a dynamic leader. Here's the thing about leadership. If you fail to teach people so that they can understand what it is you're saying, well, then you have a leadership problem. If you're teaching people what to understand, what to believe, and they get it, they understand it, but they fail to apply, then you have a following problem. And it is much, much, much easier to deal with a leadership problem than it is to deal with the follow, following problem. 
Because if you have people who understand the truth, but for whatever reason, they're lazy, they're apathetic, they disagree, they don't want to, they say they're busy, this, that, whatever. Well, that's very, very, very hard to correct. It's very hard, difficult to correct that issue and to lead people like that. And so for that reason, Jethro, he's going to tell Moses, these are the kind of people that you got to look for. And as you're leading, these are the people that you invest in. And he gives Moses several different qualities to look for. And the first quality is you got to look for people who fear God. You have to find people who fear God because if they fear God, if they love God and they're in this dynamic relationship with God and they fear him, then when they understand what it is God says and how they are supposed to live, well, they're going to live it out. They're not just going to say, you know what? I don't really have time to disciple people. You know what? I don't really have time to share Jesus and impact people. You know what? I think I'm just going to make sure that my ministry happens in a church building. They won't be like that at all because they're saying, I want this lived out and expressed in my life. And so you look for people like that. You look for people who fear God. Uh, Jethro also tells Moses, you have to look for people who love the truth. You look for people who, who, who are people of integrity, who are going to do what it is they say. They're going to let their yes be yes, and they're going to let their no be no. They're, gonna, they're not going to look for any loopholes. They're going to be willing to follow your leadership and say, yes, I'm on board. How, how do I do that? I'm, I'm going to make sure that happens. You look for teachable people like that who are people of integrity. Jethro adds to that, and he says, you also have to look for people who hate a bribe. That phrase there, people who hate a bribe, it's actually a Hebrew idiom. It means that you, you, you don't want people who judge with oily hands. Now, we kind of lose the significance of that in our culture, but you understand that uh, a judge, we think of as a judge as someone who decides the truth and who judges with clean hands or impartiality. Well, in those days, they, they had this um, almost deceptive culture where you would go and you would try to bribe a judge. And if a judge would take the bribe, if you knew this was a bribable judge, that you would refer to that judge as a judge with oily hands because the bribe that was often given in those days was costly oil. And so Jethro saying, hey, you don't want judges with oily hands. You don't want people who will take a bribe. You don't want people who will sacrifice or compromise on the truth. You don't want, you don't want people who, who will shift away from what's right and be tempted by evil. No, you want people who despise all that, who say, I don't want anything to do with that. People of just the highest degree of integrity. These are the people that you look for to lead and to invest in and, and to really empower. That's why when you're investing in people, it's important that you look and you kind of analyze, okay, who is it that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour my life into? Who is it that I'm going to disciple? And you got to look for these people who are teachable, people who are willing, willing to follow, because if there is a following problem, it's very, very difficult to correct. 
But people who are teachable, people who fear God, who love truth, who despise evil, well, those people, when you invest in people like that, your capacity to empower them just multiplies. And they're going to run with this. Why? Because they want to see the truths of God's word lived out and expressed in their life. And then this incredible thing happens. When you invest in people like that, you'll be able to look around and you'll be able to see, you know what? My fruit is actually growing more on other people's trees. I'm able to see people that I've poured into, that I've invested into, and I'm seeing how they are now impacting people for God. And I know I played a small part in that. I had a piece to play in that. You know, that's going to be Moses. Even in this sea of a grumbling people, just a, a hard people, people that Paul would warn us about and say, hey, a lot of them, they're serving as, as examples of people you don't want to be like. Even in a group of people like that, Moses, he's going to be able to find a stable of godly leaders that he's going to pour into and he's going to equip so that even after Moses is gone, his fruit will continue to come to the surface. Why? Because he's invested into people. You know, if Moses wouldn't have ever heard from Jethro, he likely would have burned out. He would have worn himself out. He would have worn, he would have worn his people out. They, everyone, would have been, everyone would have been weary. They would have just given up. But Jethro comes. He speaks this truth to Moses. And Moses is going to respond. Moses responds because he hopes in God. And because he hopes in God, he's going to pay any price to empower these people to be the leaders that God wants them to be. Because that's the thing about hope, isn't it? Hope will pay any cost. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you would use us to empower other people. So God, this week as we go out to share Jesus and impact people, we pray that you would use us well. We need your help to do this. So we ask this by the power of your Holy Spirit and the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.